Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Aaron, my man, how are you? Uh, am I on mute, by the way? I thought I it, can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you. Cool. Good to be with you, buddy. Um, it said mute when I jumped on, so I got ah. a little frantic right there. A um, little bit of tech glitches this morning. If you're watching by video, welcome. We are going to talk today about, I guess, facing reality, Aaron, a longer sales cycle in a slower economic environment that tends to go hand in hand when we see slowdowns and recessions in global challenges. Well, guess what? People aren't so quick and excited to buy things. How do we address longer sales cycles? What are some of the measures we can put in place to address the longer sales cycles? We need to get more creative now, and we need to be able to do more with less. So that's the topic of today. Yeah, and and we can see it, right? We we all know the the, the leading indicators. You know, when when real estate sales slow down, and and for those of you who are in South Florida, saying, "Oh, they're not slowing down here." Okay, let's just ignore you. And let's ignore, you know. Well, remember, here in the United States of Florida, we're, we live in a, you know, we're in our own country where we, we're seeing the, the mass migration of people coming here and buying. So it's almost like we've become a little bit isolated, which you do probably you guys isn't are. isn't sustainable. But since half the country came here over the last couple of years and they're buying real estate, the slowdown in the rest of the country hasn't really affected us, but I'm sure it will in time. And, and the rest of the country is definitely slowing down. Uh, a great example of that would be six months ago, I was in Austin uh, visiting my daughter at the University of Texas. Yep. And uh, I was golfing with this guy and he was- I didn't a, want to go. He was a house flipper. Now I don't want to come. <laughs> and he's a house flipper and he had, Austin was such a crazy market over the yes, last four or five years. And he had, he had flipped, he had five houses, he had flipped three of them for massive profits and he was living in Spain. Ready to ready to just exit his last two. And he had had to come back from Spain because the entire market had fallen out the bottom. And he had he had, had to physically come back to figure out what he was going to do with these houses because he had sold all of his previous ones over over asking price within three days. And these have been on the market for 60 days plus. Damn, starting and, to be a little reminiscent of the 2008 crisis. Although the difference absolutely. Time around between that time around is there weren't all these crazy mortgages at zero percent. LT exactly. and, and all this stuff. So that's at least the saving grace here. That's propping everything up right now or else we'd be in the exact same situation as, as before, right? Is yeah. it's a whole bunch of people that just aren't moving and they're not refinancing because they want to keep those 1.9, 2.4. another good point. Yeah. The people, that, locked the, the people that locked in low interest rates three and four years ago, they're like, I could never leave now and pay eight. No. I'm paying two and a half, three. No. Crazy, I mean, even right? if they want to go to, to a less expensive house and clear up some cash. But then the rate is quadruple. They're, they're going to pay the same thing. It's, it's, a, it's really an interesting environment to that point. You're right. I don't know if I don't know if we've ever seen it actually before. And so when you look at that, and then you look at the Fed constantly raising interest rates, and businesses that can't piece has at least slowed down. But you're right about the mortgage rates. That's a that's a people are really sitting tight now. Yep, they are. And thing houses. In the United States is a is an interest rate economy and a housing economy. Right. And a, and when, a consumer, I mean, it's a consumer economy. As well, yeah, but that's, but that housing. gets affected by what happens on those two things. If yeah. houses aren't yeah. moving and credit is expensive, the economy slows down. And that's essentially what's happened right now. So 
some random stats to throw at you, Andrew. We haven't had a chance to talk about this. I was on this presentation the other day. Um, car loan delinquencies Ooh, yeah. are at a 40-year high. The savings in the average American's account is down over from five years ago by 40%. So mm-hmm. you start to see these things kick into gear and you realize, yeah, there's, there's, there's trouble, right? Credit card debt is at an all time high, by the way. Didn't know that credit card debt is at an all time high. You mentioned the, the, the loan thing. Yep. So, so people have costs or inflations come down a little bit, but it's still at essentially 30 and 40 year high. So you've got, you've got a lot of forces working against you, the consumer, but really you, the business owner selling to the consumer. Exactly. And, and so when, When everything gets squeezed, people shift their priorities. And it's our job as a business owner to try and push our thing up in their priority list. Now, when money's free flowing and everything's good, people are very willy nilly with their decisions. How many people have you met, Andrew, and we've been marketing online for 20 years, where People will buy something and they'll never even, for example, log in and use it. Like they just scratched an itch that day, pulled yeah, out the credit yeah. card, bought it, never even logged in. Feel it, a good so- moment for a moment. Yeah, they feel good for a moment, right? You're in the in the software space. Uh, one of the biggest challenges in the software space is actually getting people to engage and use the usage, yeah. You know, you have to, the, the amount of things you put into play to try and get somebody to actually use it because people just buy it and then never come back again and never touch it and then they stop the being a customer, right? Mm-hmm. It happens with so, information products. It happens with training programs, classes, software. So much stuff. Anything. So when when we're looking at an economy that we're facing right now, there's there's the people in one camp that will do the same things that they've always done. You know, I market this way, I sell this way, this is the way it's always been done, and I'm not- Now ever... I'm just gonna double down. And I'm just gonna double down. And what, I think, you know, if you're gonna the, double down, it's saying, better- What's Aaron, by Einstein, the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result? Is that that? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and I, think you're, I think you're better off to double down than to pull back altogether. I think the worst thing you can do is pull back altogether. But the better thing to do is start to look at different buyers in different buying segments and ask yourself if you're appealing to them at all and if not how do we appeal to them so we have a little chart that we want to share um, today for our listeners we'll we'll talk, we'll talk you about through. the marketplace the buyer cycle so I guess my my first question Aaron you're not in the US but I'll, I'll ask my 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 um, my fellow US citizens how are you liking build back better <laughs> are you enjoying Bidenomics because this is all of that. You can't change that fact. This is all decision-making from the top. There are tons of this could have been avoided. Of course, you can never blame everything on a White House or on an administration, but the conscious decisions to continue to make it harder for everyday Americans from inflation to opportunity to regulate. The regulation is like nothing I've ever seen, Aaron. That's something you probably don't pay most, most much attention to no. because you're, you're in the Cayman Islands and you're from Canada. Mm-hmm. But the amount of regulation that hits on a weekly basis, which is all stuff that no politician should even be involved with, is just little by little. It just adds to the mayhem of already a challenging economy with higher interest rates, to, to your point, and higher inflation. You throw regulation 
and taxation on top of the things we just talked about. And you've got a perfect storm that's very difficult to navigate in. So we'll talk about how to do that here today because, you know, it's going to be a long next 12 months, whether you like it or not, in this environment that isn't changing at all. There's no, it's not getting better. If anything, it will go, it will flatten out, but there is no improvement. Well, and before we go into this diagram and, and how, what we do to deal with it, yeah. it's funny that you bring that up because yesterday I was talking to um, a, a, somebody that's new to me. He, he came to me looking to be a client in our agency, Seven Mile Media, and he's a South Florida guy. Um, you're, you know, much like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came from Cuba. His, his family were Cuban immigrants, and he's got a massive tattoo on his shoulder of the American flag. The guy loves America, loves the country, loves the freedoms, loves the military, you know, loves, loves all of those conservative, all the reasons you why know, he came meaning yeah, exactly because he's like, I came from a place where the government tells you we're going to do all of these things for you. And I, I've, I've learned it's all a lie. Right. So I came here and he went off with uh, for about 30 minutes yesterday saying I left that government. Now I've come to this government and now I see the same things happening and it makes me so upset that people are allowing it to happen because they don't realize where this ends. The similarities are probably striking to him. They are striking to him. And this is a guy who, who literally worked his way up from nothing to millionaire status, wholesaling properties in South Florida. He's one of the biggest uh, property wholesalers in South Florida. And he's actually considering moving to a different country. It Can you imagine coming? Any, it doesn't. I'm not the least bit surprised here. I, I, like to me, it's it's it was just very sad. It's because very sad. you know his family fled Cuba like so many other Cubans have in search for freedom, and he's built a good life. You know, most people would consider a great life in America, and he's looking down the barrel of the gun right now, going, "I don't know if this is a place that I want to I want to raise my family." Can you imagine? Uh, that coming from from his experience? I'm hearing it from Venezuelans. I'm hearing yeah. it from Cubans. And if anybody has Chinese pedigree, I mean, obviously, they come from a communist nation through and through. They will talk about this. I get the educated ones, people who understand history and context and don't just look at, you know, news narratives on the surface of today. They actually go back and go, this doesn't sound right. What did that look like back in history? Right. So how do you compare right something really different and odd happening today, like, for example, draconian COVID measures, right? You look at something, right. then you go back, did that ever happen in history and why? And what's mm-hmm. the correlation to today? Those are really the smart questions to ask. And guys like that, usually it's more successful self-made yeah. people that have the ability self-made to look people. at things a little more critically and they're not, you know, they're a little bit more independent thinking, so they're, they're open-minded more. I yep. find that people who are very... And it's very odd. The higher up the education ladder people go, the more programmed they are and the less independent thinking they are and the less they'll do research. It's really weird. So different topic for a different day. But this guy is probably one of those guys. And he's like, this is really this math isn't adding up. And it's unfortunate because uh, it's it's in broad daylight and it's certainly not an easy situation, but it does have to be dealt with. Then it does have to be looked at. And we do have to figure out how to prosper during it. I mean, obviously, the solution is how do we make as much money as possible always? Yep. Well, you do that by making adjustments during brutal times like the, the, the times we're in right now with a lot of the, the policies and the economics and the regulations. So that's the topic of today. We're going to dive in and talk about this, um, this new marketplace that we're in. Absolutely. So if you want to share that, see that okay? I can see it great. For those that are, are listening to the show, we've got a diagram up right now that basically shows a pyramid 
And the pyramid is showing any business's potential buyers. So this is actually always the way that it is. It isn't, this economy isn't creating this. It's that when you have more difficult economies, you have to pay more attention to it. When you have great economies, it's very easy to just make money. And so when you look at the top of the pyramid, active buyers, people who are actively searching to buy what you have right now is always around three to 5%. In this diagram, it says 3%. And then, and that is a very crowded marketplace. There's a lot of competition there. Um, when you look at the next layer down, 7% of people are who are open to the idea of buying, but they're not in the buying modality right now. Below that, there's 30% of people who are not thinking of buying, but your product would be a great fit for them. And then you got another 30% below that that don't think they're interested in what you have to offer. And then the last 30% is, is the percentage of people who just know they're not interested in what you have. And when you're focused on, when, when economies are good, it's really easy to just throw all of your marketing and sales efforts into the 3%, the crowded area of active buyers and just pull tons and tons of cash out. But as economies become more challenging and more difficult, it's, it's important to reassess your marketing strategy and start to realize that there's going to be a slower sales cycle. People are going to need more education. They're going to need more information. They're going to need more follow-up. They're going to need more nurturing. They're going to need more access to, you know, the A-team, you know, of your employees. And that's where you start to be able to tap into the extra 7%, 30%, additional 30% that don't think they're interested. And, and what we have to realize is that, you know, the, the 3% of active buyers out of the whole is a very small percentage of the people that you potentially could be selling. And if you're just going after them right now and, and, and credits dried up and sales cycles are getting longer, you're going to struggle as a business. You, you have to start to put more effort into these other tranches of the marketplace and, and do a lot more personalization, a lot more education, a lot better experience to move some of those people from those tranches into the active buyer segment. Does that make sense what I just said, Andrew? Yeah, it does. And I'll tell you, we'll put this, this chart, by the way, in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast, is the 3% at the top, Aaron. That can change, too. That can become 2% or 1% at any given time just based on market conditions. And, and, sure. and that's a good rule of thumb, though. These are all average numbers. 7% open to the idea of buying. But the real opportunity is in the 30% that are not thinking of buying. That's a big number because those people can easily be converted or persuaded to buy. They yep. need to be interrupted in the right way. Facebook exactly. does a great job of that. Instagram does a great job of that. Those are interruption. YouTube does a great job of that. Those are interruption marketing platforms where if you have the right message that you can nail somebody between the eyes with that may or may not be in your target audience but could become your target audience because of what you're saying, I think a big thing is messaging here is the changing of your messaging. And I'm going to jump off here right now. Um, as I told you before, I was speaking at a large event this past week, and the takeaway that I had for the audience, they were all agency owners, Aaron, mm -hmm. was how can you find different, newer, creative ways to bring leads in your door, which ultimately take them to the same place, wherever your offering is, whatever your service is, they're going to ultimately get there, but you're going to need probably a portfolio approach of how to bring them in the door. So you might, you right. might, you might, you might send people now to a video and then there's your calendars underneath and they're going to go to a strategy session. Great. But you might need a free report now that slows the sales process down and educates someone. You might need a webinar now. You might need 
a trial or a demo of something if you're in the software and SaaS space like I am, and I was speaking to that at the event, maybe a, a, a software trial that gets somebody, you said this in the beginning, Aaron, how do you get them using something and engage with a tool that actually makes sense for them and helps them run their business? And then, by the way, once that tool is operating and they feel good about it and they've gotten the support and the implementation of it, then maybe there's a service that can be offered to them to make it go faster, right? You need to be, you need to be thinking about all of these things. And right now... I think most get a little bit frozen, deer in headlights moment when things slow down and, and, and we contract. And the answer is, how do I get more creative and how do I diversify? My takeaway for the day, it was two words, Aaron. It was on the screen most of the time I was up. It was really simple. It was diversity equals stability. I'll say it again. I like diversity that. equals stability. Two words. Dan Kennedy mentioned it to me, God, probably 15 years ago. Diversity equals stability. So... How do you get more stability, more diversification in the way you bring customers in the door? Your lead generation will need to open up and become more creative, to my point earlier, and you'll need alternative ways and sources for people to come in. The good news is there's never been a shortage of ideas and stuff sitting online that you can swipe and deploy and look at and funnel hack or whatever you want to call it. There's so many, I mean, you could probably spend an hour focused on Facebook alone, scrolling the feed, clicking on things. Maybe a little bit of YouTube, too. I think YouTube and Facebook can become great search engines for you. You well, can scroll and, and, both and just look for offers. How are they positioning this offer? And some of them will really grab your attention. And instead of being in your own head, get out of your head and figure out, is there an offer like this that I could adapt to my business? That's the right. question. And, and a great tool for those people that aren't familiar with it. Your favorite coming up. Is uh, <laughs> Facebook Ad Library. You love it. Oh, it's and, your world. I love it because... It, it, it's, it's, it's literally cheat codes for businesses. You remember back, did you ever have a super Nintendo Andrew? Yes, of course. Of course. Right. And, and remember like the cheat codes you could punch in and do like a special move or unlock a special thing or, yeah. you know, whatever. Facebook ad library is a cheat code for business it owners. It really is interesting that that's even allowed, right? I, I think the and government, maybe you can break down that. what it is, Aaron, cause that's your world, but it's, it's, it, it is a high level intelligence tool. I actually think the government forced Facebook to do it from the government forced it no i think so Come yeah on. and it was and it was all around the uh transparency around um and probably for a good thing andrew um it was transparency around advertising in related to elections and so you can go in you can google facebook ad library right now and you'll see it pop up immediately you can go in and choose any country any facebook or instagram page and it will instantly show you every ad that they're running in any campaign. And the nice thing about it is you can see what is the visual they're using? What is the copy that they're using? What's the angle that they're taking? What's the hook they're grabbing people in, in the ad? But even more importantly that, you can click through and you can see what type of, of funnel style are they using or what type of offer are they serving up? And it actually shows you the date that it was launched. And so if you can see something that's maybe been running for 10 or 11 months, what that tells you is it's positive. It's cash flow positive. Yeah. And so you can look at your competitors or you can look at people you want to emulate and go down that rabbit hole and actually see exactly what's working for them and see if you've got something similar in your portfolio approach. You know, when we looked at these market conditions over the last two months in our agency, we took a step back and looked at our, you know, 45 clients 
and we said, okay, who are the five high, most profitable clients that we have? And then we looked at them and said, what are the common denominators between all of them? And we actually took the common denominators between all of them and we put them all together in one strategy and we named it the seven mile method. And basically what we've said to our clients right now and our new clients coming in is you have to implement the seven mile method because it does exactly what you're talking about, Andrew, where on our side, it diversifies how we're bringing people in. Well, we're bringing them in on a slow approach, lead magnet to a group, a community of some sort. We're bringing them in through a micro product funnel so that we're getting a, a credit card from them. A self-liquidating funnel is, is what it's called. We still have a traditional presentation funnel, like a VSL funnel to a strategy session. We've got a monthly live masterclass funnel that we use exclusively for retargeting so people can have that engagement, that live Q&A. And then on the client side, we're saying, look, you got to have a podcast. You got to be trimming that podcast into micro content and posting it on your social one or two times a day. You've got to have a blog strategy. You've got to do these things on your side to support us on our side. And if we put all of these things together over the course of a year, your revenue and profits are going to be off the charts. And even though the economy is struggling right now, one of the examples of a client we have right now, Andrew, is... He's doing a million and a half a month on a $50,000 ad spend because he has all of the things from the seven mile method in place. He's diversified to your point. So he's got people that are buying on day one, day 14, day 30, six months in, a year. And he's created this entire machine to constantly be giving value to them and, and being in front of them and moving them off the fence when they're ready. Yeah, I mean, there you go. There's a diversification we talked about, right? Yeah, and so if you're we all need in to on... do more in times like these, we need to do more. We need to not do more. less, right? I think Correct. when things are things are going really well, we tend to just let things roll and we double down on things. But you know, you want to take the standpoint really in good times and bad times of how can I find a different alternative way to get a lead or to acquire a customer? That's really the million dollar question. Because then what happens is to the, to the point of this chart is you start you start tapping all the categories, right? Sure. You're in, we're looking at four different, five different categories here. When you operate that way, you can be playing in all the categories where most are playing in one. You want to be playing in the open to the idea of buying category. They're not thinking about it category. The don't think they're interested, but could become interested category, right? I mean, if you can play and it might be a different offer per category, right? Bringing it back up again here, right? So you might, you might have a different offer you might have like a wide open, simple offer because you're very targeted to your active buyers, right? Oh, people who are open to buying, maybe that's a different offer. People who are not thinking about buying at all, maybe that's a whole different message. So it is a whole different offer, right? So you can come in when you know this psychology here, and this tends to be very accurate, give or, give or take two or three percentage points. You could have a different lead generation, different offer mechanism based on the mindset. Exactly. Open to the idea of buying, not open to the idea of buying. Right. I, to me, that would be a different offer. Right. One might be interruption. One might be entering the conversation that's already taking place on their mind. They're already using products and services. They're already, I don't know, a rabid buyer of fitness products or nutritional supplements. So they're in that open to the idea of buying. I don't need as much persuasion there. I need to basically hit them with some messaging that resonates with them already. But they're not thinking about buying. I might need to educate them more on what a supplement is or, or what a fat weight loss product is because they're not prepared for it and they're not users of it. But or, in your, or in your particular case, why you should stop lifting weights and use a band system instead. 
yeah, right? Yeah. That was never yeah. something that you would ever have even remotely considered. Yeah, that's a good point. We talk a lot about the X3 variable resistance trading platform on here that I've been using for three and a half years now. And uh, as somebody who's been in the gym using weights only since I was 14, 15 years old, that that took a big leap of a lot of video, a full book, case studies, content, multiple scientific studies to get me. I was in the 30% for sure, right? As a as an avid weightlifter, I was probably down in the lower 30% of don't even think I'm interested Absolutely. in utilizing variable resistance bands instead of weights, maybe in addition to instead of weights. So he, that's a, it's a great point you brought up. If you've been watching our show for a long time, we talk a lot about that X3 training, uh, the X3 variable resistance training platform. Um, really powerful. Let you get huge heavy loads with bands because of the steel plate and the steel bar system. We'll link to it in the show notes as an example. But I was definitely down. I might have even been in the bottom 30%. I'm absolutely <laughs> no, I'm not interested in doing anything but pounding weights at the gym. But maybe I could be in that don't think I'm interested because I'm open-minded. So I'd put me in the in the second to last, the yellow here. I would put me in the yellow 30%. Don't think I'm interested. So that took a lot more content, to your point, Aaron. Yep. I needed to see John's book, Why Weightlifting is a Waste of Time. Okay, that sounds like a big leap. I'm going to read that book. 200 citations in that book. And you bought that book, science. right? What? And you, bought, and you bought that book, right? Bought the book, read the right. full book. Michael I wasn't purchase. a buyer on this example, Aaron. Now I saw the videos, saw the case studies, mounds of mounds of results with people getting great results online. But my thought process, I'm already in shape. These are a lot of people who've never really worked out and they're going from really out of shape to just looking thin and looking better. So I felt like I wasn't not to be arrogant, but I wasn't in that category because I was like, well, not seeing like an athlete or a, or a bodybuilder go from here to there. I wasn't right. seeing that. So therefore, I wasn't a buyer right away. I was seeing a lot of sedentary people get great results, but they're going to get great results doing anything Agreed. coming from doing nothing. So Agreed. that's where my head was at. So then it was the book. So talking about publishing, his book, Why Weightlifting is a Waste of Time, was for me what put me over the edge. Now, reading a full book before I became a buyer of a five or $600 system, most people wouldn't think about what we're talking about right now, Aaron, right? Nope. They wouldn't even think about it. They're like, wait a minute. This guy needed that much information to buy this one piece of equipment that was game-changing and life-changing for me? The answer is yes, you need to be publishing because there are those people, and they'll be your highest-level customers, by the way. The ones who consume the most content and need the most amount of information will be the largest, longest-term buyers of all. If you don't have the webinars and the books and the podcasts, you're going to be in that tiny little top 3% active buyer, buyer-die category. This is where you have to start becoming more of an information publishing type business. And that's what John did. YouTube channel, book, podcast. He just did a TED Talk. So he's hitting all the bases now because he wants to be able to attract as many buyers from all four of these categories as possible. So you get to choose of the categories, where are you going to play in one of the categories or all four of the categories or even five of the categories? Well, and two things that I'll say to that is number one, People who are watching or listening right now or might be saying to themselves, oh, that sounds like a whole lot of work to go out and make a $600 sale. But, but how many people have you told about this and how many times have we mentioned it on this show? How many sales have actually been made? 
well, from you, for, that customer. I have sure, one for sure. Of you. Do, yeah, for sure. Dozens, all my clients, everybody uses it, right? But here's the thing for me. I'm a $200 a month nutrition supplement buyer of his amino, of his essential amino acids and his energy supplement. Two big jugs every single month, almost $200 a month on his back end nutrition continuity. So he's smart enough to know that my equipment that you buy is a one-time buy, but I recommend high-level essential amino acids once or twice a day, along with his Imperium Energy Supplement, which is really good. I take all of it every single day almost, and this has been the case for three years. So my customer value is significantly bigger than that because I'm at $200 a month for three years. What's the math on that? Right, so let's, let's actually walk, walk that back. So most companies that would come into a marketplace with a piece of gym equipment, which is really what it is to say, here's my gym equipment and people either get it or they won't get it. That's your 3%. That's your buy or die traditional. I'm glad you brought that up, Aaron. That's your buy or die short-sighted. I'm only now in the moment trying to make a sale business owner. And that is a borrowed time business owner. Right. So you would never even looked at it. But he hit you from a different angle because you were down in the 30% don't think you're interested right. tranche. And instead of trying to sell you the machine, he sold you a book. So he got a micro commitment. He got a micro purchase from you. You went through the book. It swayed you. You bought the machine. You stopped. You used it for, I think it was 90 days. And you were calling me, telling me this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you said, if this, if this system is this good... I can only imagine what his supplements would be like. And then you got hit into a different area where now you're on the supplements. I have no idea what else you bought from this guy. And you're a rabid promoter that's told probably 100 people to go and get this, including me. But you were in the 30%. There's no way he could have pitched you the band system on its own. He had to hit you through a different marketing medium to get you into his ecosystem. And that medium was publishing. And, and I look at publishing public. in two ways today. We've done many podcasts on this. Way number one is a book, a good old-fashioned physical book. It's never been easier to publish a physical book than it is today on Amazon's um, do-it-yourself platform. They have a self-publishing platform that literally one PDF can be uploaded. A cover can be put on. There's design teams that can help. You can be a published author with a physical book with a glossy cover on Amazon in a weekend if you really want it to be. But yep. the second piece of content that is the most persuasive today, there's two. The books, a book will always be a persuasive piece of content, right? Whether it's in digital form or physical form, even better because you can touch it. It's real. We always were wired as humans to, to really respect authors. Yep. The second media is the podcast media, though. So I went and listened to a lot of interviews and podcasts on both YouTube and on the podcast platforms of John and the science behind X3. That's another way people are buying today because that conversation is a lot longer. It's not a quick video on YouTube. It isn't a quick commercial on TV. It's a 60 minute conversation in some cases about this backstory. Why did we develop it? There is a great backstory. How did we get here? What are the results people are seeing? Now you're training the Miami Heat and guys like Terrell Owens back in the day, right? So you get to hear those stories. This is why a lot of the political candidates that are rising in the polls are the ones who are most prevalent on long-form podcasts, right? Because they can be heard and they can be seen and they can be understood better than the quick sound bites. Very powerful in business too, which is why you need to have a show or get on people's shows. So that you yep. can have those long-winded conversations for people that need a lot of data and info to buy. And and something that's nice about being in the world of publishing content, like a, being on a podcast or hosting your own podcast or putting up YouTube videos, for example, is they're pieces of real estate. Mm-hmm. 
You know, if you go on a radio show and you get interviewed, Boom. it's a one and done, right? If you go on a TV show, even say you were, let's say you're on Good Morning America, you, you would have a ton of traffic. Don't get me wrong. People checking you out. But it's a one and done. Like people aren't going back and watching old episodes of Good Morning America. <laughs> but the, the reality is, is that when somebody starts following, you know, we'll just choose an example that of someone you like is, yep. which is Patrick Bet David. We both. Yeah. Right. Your, we both like him very that's much. That's your reco, man. That was my recommendation for you to check him out. So you went and checked him out. Then what did you end up doing? You ended up binge watching all of his stuff that he put out a long time ago. <laughs> binge watching. So that was still... That was that's that's that, that, that lives in perpetuity and it just keeps growing and it's growing the archive, and growing. the power of the archive, right? Absolutely. Did you know that big, there's Aaron big giant table of contents? You could go to Rogan or Patrick Bet David show our two favorites. and You could just scroll the listing. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to listen to this interview from two months ago, a year ago, because yep. this person interests me. Right. I, I have our show link in my email signature. And I at least once a month, someone gets on with me to talk to me about marketing for their company. And they say to me, I watched seven of your episodes in the last week. So I did that but a long time ago. they probably picked and chose which ones, Aaron. Yeah, they pick, and, they pick and choose what, they, what they're interested in. But it's living there in perpetuity. So I've done the work once and I'm getting leverage from it over and over again. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The, this is the long, that's the long tail game of yeah. content and education. That, By the way, the podcast platform and YouTube, they yeah. live on and YouTube can become your TV channel. And the podcast becomes your radio channel. We haven't changed a lot over the years, right? We went from radio and TV to podcast and YouTube. It's the same media. It's just a different layout of the media. And one is one is, one is is a little bit more older school. One is newer school. But they're the same concept. Radio, voice, YouTube, TV. Not a whole lot different, right? Things don't change all that much. The more things change, the more they stay the same, they say, right? That's how you need to be playing the game here. And if you don't have content in both video and in both audio to support this you know this bottom half of the buying range it's gonna be really tough to open the mouth of your your sales funnel can't think of a better time to do it than now as we theme of the show get into a sales cycle and a in a a period in history economically where it's going to take more to sell to people not less which means now's the time to get my voice out there and do my podcast. Now's the time to do the YouTube channel, right? My son is 12, as you know. He'll be 13 next month. And he, he's, uh, thank God, he's gotten into fitness. I wonder where, where, where the hell he got that from, right? <laughs> he's really, really heavily into, like, taking care of himself. and uh, kids, don't, kid, kids don't need dads. And his skin. And he's, like, training with – I got him with a personal trainer once a week. And, he, and this is not because I force it. This is because I just say, this is what I'm doing. And – if you want to do it too, for all these reasons, benefit, 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 I have to persuade him to make him, him want to do it for himself, right? Um, so he's into that right now. So he's watching a lot of like these young influencers in the fitness space. There's just the one kid he watches. He's like 19 years old. He's jacked. He's ripped. He's talking about his nutrition. I mean, the kid's 19. This is like what I was doing at 19, but I just didn't have YouTube, right? He's talking about his nutrition and his weightlifting program and the hair and the skin. And it's like he's really into taking care of himself and doing all this. And I'm like, this is great to watch. And we're even considering doing maybe this father-son fitness concept, maybe platform or whatever. But if we do, Aaron, my point, the first thing that would happen would be YouTube channel, podcast, boom, content right out there. Yep. Boom. Right? Absolutely. So why is that the last thing people do often? Uh, I think because in the beginning, it's very much a hand-to-mouth scenario where as a new business, you're, you're just thinking, what's the fastest thing I can do? 
to get proof of concept, make a sale, make money. And then once you kind of get proof of concept and get some traction, then, yep. then you think I need to stay focused on this thing and I'm just going to keep doubling and tripling down on this thing. And I don't blame people for that. I think that's just human nature, but sometimes, and, and I'm actually doing this myself right now, Andrew, when things get a little bit more challenging in the marketplace, rather than panic, lay people off, lower prices, you know, all the things that, that people typically do, Default to. I'm actually looking at as an opportunity where I'm saying, okay, I have a little bit more time on my hands right now. I'm not going to lay anybody off. What I'm going to do is I'm going to invest in all of these things that we're talking about that maybe I've put off because it was, we were just so busy. It was too easy, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to put these all in play over the next eight weeks and I'm going to come into 2024 and I'm just going to absolutely crush my space. So I'm not going to get panicked and angry and frustrated about it. I'm going to look at it as an opportunity of, okay, I've got a little bit of time here. Let's, let's go, you know, check a lot of these boxes that I haven't done over the last two years. Cause it was just so easy. And, and when I come back in January, I'm going to be a, 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 a thousand pound gorilla and everybody else is going to be playing the scared game and I'm going to eat everybody's lunch. And so I think it's a, a, a bit of a mindset thing too right now. I do. Yeah. I, I think there's roadblocks for sure. Hopefully shows like this and content like this helps you get past the roadblock. That was really what I was trying to do at that event I was speaking at was get people past the roadblock of thinking I only acquire customers this way. This is the way the industry does it. There's no other way to do it, but there's multiple ways to do it. And you get to differentiate when you do things differently. I can give you another quick example, Aaron. So you know that within within our platform we have an agency and we're always building sales funnels for clients yep. that tends to be our sweet spot right clients always need a good sales funnel a good lead generation play and the core the core build out in our sales funnel projects is building out a 15 or 20 minute presentation right nice slide deck script written you know something that teaches and educates the public in your in your audience you know the seven steps to lose 30 pounds in 30 days or the 14 pitfalls so you don't run out of money in retirement, like something education-based, information-based for that client in that space. And I got to thinking about this recently, and I said, all the work our copywriters and script writers take to get the script right, sometimes it ends up being 20, 30 pages on a Google Doc, right? Mm -hmm. Chip by chip gets converted into slides. And I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to now offer another service in which we can take that full video script hand it to a ghostwriting, editing, book publishing team and have them convert the video sales letter into a short-form physical book on Amazon. To all the points we just mentioned about John a second ago from X3, mm -hmm. he, had the, he had the equipment, he had the videos, he had all that work, but at some point he turned it into a book. So we're going to have 80%, 90% of the concepts and the work done. We'll now have an editor and a writer come in and expand on everything and actually turn it into a 100-page book as an That's, option. So now that right. becomes, okay, we built this great funnel and it's a 15, 20 minute webinar style presentation. Why couldn't I turn that into a physical book and expand on my topics and make it a little bit more text heavy, nice cover. Great Genius book, idea. Right. So, and that, that now becomes a, an option for our clients to be able to now have a video presentation and a funnel online that converts leads. But now I could actually turn this into a physical book, physical book that lives on Amazon where now I have Amazon media. And now I actually can hand this to prospects as I meet them or give them to clients as they sign on. And, and why I think that's a, just is such a great idea, Andrew, is that a lot of the clients that we work with don't realize that no matter what we put out for them from a marketing perspective, 
60% of them are going to stop. They're going to open up a new browser window. They're going to Google the business or they're going to Google the expert and they want to see what shows up on page one about the expert. Right. And if it's a ghost town, they go, yeah. Meaning like no online content, no presence, Nothing. no reputation, no podcast, no. no show, no book, no real anything. Just no, but if you, if you go to website, if you go to either one of our, like if you Google my name or you Google your name, I've got AaronParkinson.com. It shows Seven Mile Media. It shows my social sites. It shows my content. It shows what I posted on Twitter this morning. It shows, you know, CrossFit Games athlete. It, it, there's there's so many different things that you see about me. Yeah. You know, digital marketer, faculty member, traffic and conversion speaker. Like it just people are like okay, stop. We're good. He's real, and they come back to doing whatever they want to do. If you've got an Amazon, like you got to realize the power of Amazon's ability to rank sure. on anything. If you've got a book or if you if you did a movie at some point and you you or a television show and you and you just submit yourself to like the IMDb or whatever like the 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 strength of those sites is 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 amazing. It is. And all of a sudden you're leveraging those search engines at that. Absolutely. Point. You know, so if you can create something like that and yeah, have the physical book, have a digital copy you could turn into a funnel like John did have your organic show you as an author on Amazon. I mean, what a, what a phenomenal uh, bonus to what you're doing there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So just thinking tail, right? Can we put right. a tail on this? That's yeah. the way you want to look at it is I have this one lead gen mechanism. Can I have a tail behind it? Can I have another form of media to complement it? Right. You mm -hmm. want to be thinking about this spider web effect. Absolutely. Diversity equals stability, diversification of, content, diversification of lead sources, diversification of media, all leads to stability. Diversification of products and price points. Right. Of course. Yeah. Whole different conversation for a different day is not just having a one and done product, but also having different, different do it when you were talking about your traffic stuff, right? Do it yourself, do it for you, do it with you, right? Depending on where you're at, you self-select, right? You're rolling that out pretty soon, which we'll absolutely make available here on the show. I'm excited for that, where you're going to have, I think, an incubator program of people who are not ready to spend multiple multiple thousands per month in a retainer but they want to learn how to do facebook ads or youtube ads but then there's the people who say i want it done for me absolutely no matter what i'm not going to learn it so give me give me options right Gotta well and that, and and we've seen that you know just to sort of reinforce our point over the last year is we introduced um a, a product and agency service with less deliverables and it was half the price this year and, and we've had a whole bunch of people take it because they didn't need all of the extra deliverables because they weren't at that phase yet. And well, now we're, you let them self-select. I let them self-select. And then there was a whole bunch of people on that product who said, Oh, I love that product, but, but our revenue isn't quite there yet to justify that. And so we said, okay, well let's, let's open up an education community where you can show up and, and you can learn. And then when you get to that point where your business is big enough, you can hire us if you want to. And so, and that acts as an incubator for you. Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. Love it. So in closing here, I think that the takeaway is the takeaway, which was my takeaway the other day, which is diversity equals stability. How do you tap? Again, we'll put the, we'll put the marketplace image down below of the buyer's cycle, which I think you need to be a little bit more sensitive to now, obviously in, in tougher economic times than, than in times past. But that will also program you to be conscious of it all the time. So even in good times, you're still thinking about how can I be in front of more buyers that are at different phases of the buying cycle? But it's more important now than ever to be 
tapping all these phases. We gave a couple great examples here today. We'll put this chart, like I said, in the show notes. And Aaron, any final thoughts? Yeah, I just want to add one final thought because I don't want this to end on like sort of a, you know, doom and gloom scenario because it's really not. If if you take the time right now, if your business is a little bit slower, or you're just getting started, and you take the time to put the things that we're talking about in place now, when the economy starts going back up, as it always does, no matter what anybody tells you, it always ends up eventually going like this over Everything's time. In cycles. Everything's in cycles. If you already have all of this stuff in gear when that cycle flips, ho, ho, watch out. Yeah, you hit the ground running. You're not waiting till times are right to build the assets. You're building the assets even when times aren't right. I think it's an old Warren Buffett investment theory philosophy, yep. right? Yep. Buy when there's blood in the streets. Buy only when everybody else is selling, right? He's always taking – it's a contrarian approach, really. Yeah. And that can be very powerful. This is a contrarian approach. You're building – you're building the most amount of growth assets in the worst possible time to do it because you know the worst possible time won't always be here and won't always stay. It's great advice. Absolutely. Great advice. So I'm going to leave it at that, Aaron. This one's a wrap, as always. Great one here on how to sell during tougher economic times. We will see you in the next one, folks. This was uh, uh, a good one. And like I said, we will make sure we put that chart. That chart's very important to understand down into the show notes. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.